Because of the subject matter, parents may wish to listen to this week's episode of Let's Face the Facts without their children. Welcome to Let's Face the Facts, the rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. Join us each week as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show. And now, here's your host of Let's Face the Facts, the wonderful David Almeida! Welcome back. It's another week, another show. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. We're already on the Zoom. Hi, Matthew. Hi, David. And we are here with our super awesome special guest, MVP guest, Paul Padilla. Well, everybody, I'm so excited to be back, especially this week. This is such a big episode. This is a, a watershed historic episode, really. And I, I would dare say that the later seasons of The Facts of Life kind of might have slid off into obscurity as the sort of, oh, the Cloris Leachman years when kind of things were winding down. But this episode always comes up in discussions of the series as a whole. And <laughs> I said whole. <laughs> ha, I'm sure that they had many, or a couple other ones that, you know, in the beginning of the facts of life, they have the black screen with the, take your kids out of the room if you don't want them to be here type of thing. But that was, you know, very dramatic, you know, for a facts of life episode. Yes, it was. Indeed. And who better to discuss this episode about a young girl losing her virginity than three middle-aged white men. Mm -hmm. Homosexuals even. <laughs> now, I forget, Matthew and I are- Yes, I'm gay. <laughs> You're a gold star though, right? No. No, you've, you've, you've actually slept with a woman. Oh, God. Oh, I have too. Are you oh, you have too, Paul? Oh yeah, in high school I was, you know. You were, you, clearly you were Mr. Studley Stud. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, you know, the drama. I was like Paul Warfield. I was a pussy hound. I, <laughs> I just couldn't get enough of the ladies. Right. Like to, I like to hang out at the softball field and pick up the ladies after their, <laughs> after their softball games. Well, yeah, I actually had, you know, a very sweet girl. She was very, very, really cute. But I remember she said, okay, we're going to have sex, but, and I think that you're probably gay, but I'm going to teach you how to do this anyway. <laughs> oh, wow. In case you need to know. And I was like, I'm not gay. You know, this is, you know, Texas, small town. She's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You'll get to it, but we'll do it and we'll have a good time. Hey, yeah, so hey. Like, well, thanks. Thanks for the education, you know, which I've used like in a can on one hand, you know. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I'm the only gold star gay here then on this Zoom call. So, uh, and not for for a, a lack of interest, as far as there are there are a lot of coochie phobic homosexuals out there where you just say the word vagina and they're all <laughs> they cringe and cower and don't even like the word and I'm like uh, I think the female body is quite beautiful and if yeah. an opportunity had ever presented it, but stop, stop 
I'm not grossed out by it, but I, I those gays that are always like, oh, I love boobs. I I do I do not. I'm I don't care about I mean boobs. I have my own. I don't need Thank to you. <laughs> I can touch mine anytime I want. I just I just lift mine up over my waist and look at them in the mirror if I want to see some, <laughs> some exactly. I'm always moving mine out of the zoom screen. Some of that um, hot breasticle action. Yes. <laughs> I like to I like to call them my middies. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I'm gonna have to use that too. Oh, and listeners, they are playing with them in front of me on the Zoom. It's <laughs> wow. It's quite a show. I wish you could see it. Yeah. But I, I was saying that if an opportunity had ever presented itself to sleep with a woman, I would have totally gone with it. I'd have been like, yeah, sure, why not? I mean, I, you know, knowing what I know, and at the moment, I, I can't find a man who wants to sleep with me. So. It's just like, that's clearly at this stage of my life, I'm thinking that ship has sailed. I mean, I tried it once and I can, to this day, I can barely make it through an Arby's roast beef sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, now I know I'll never again go to Arby's. Uh, <laughs> and that's it. Not going to happen for sure now. You said that people that you know some gays, they hear the word vagina and they go, Bleh. just a side note, mine was, was it is always pathogen, that name. Pathogen. Kind of feel like there's liquids and there's not good. Do you guys have a weird word that makes you icky? For me, like, and you know, you have every every like orientation you have to take. You know, at the theme parks or whatever, you ha you have to hear the oh, word bloodborne pathogen. Forty yeah. times, you know, and I'm yes. always like, you know, but that's my word. But yeah, pathogen. I don't have Pu a word that just in and of itself makes me recoil. What about you? Mine, Michael? mine is puberty. Any yeah, kind, cool. any kind of word with a pew in it, yeah. or like you know, it's like, but like the fact that I grew up in Indiana with eight hundred year old teachers that that came through education with the fucking GI Bill, so <laughs> that and they pronounced it puberty, yeah, which oh, is God. even worse. And so yeah. yeah, puberty or puberty that. Uh, <laughs> I had to watch Catholic school videos about puberty. So that'll tell, you, yeah, mm. that'll tell you how well-educated I was going out into the world, but whatever. A lot of people, the word moist and the word panties, those are two big trigger words for a lot of people. Yeah, I got no problem. Again, I, I cannot think of a word right now that uh, that inherently by its existence makes me go, I just, eh, whatever, they're just words. Well, you know what makes my panties moist? <laughs> what? Happy that I went through puberty. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm free of all pathogens. This episode of the Facts of Life. David. Yes. Oy, now, oy, oy. Paul, welcome back to the show. Do you know how many of these you have done? I don't. I don't. I Would do you not. wager a guess? Uh, no one else remembers either, Paul. It's all yeah. right. <laughs> I mean... I'd say seven. Is oh. this including? Is this including the two-parter? Facts of Life goes to Paris. Well, I don't remember that one. We know that. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, uh, but <laughs> you do some of your best podcasting during your blackouts, Paul. Really, I, I consider that as a one. So I would say seven. You, you're not wrong to sort of be thinking in those terms. Yeah. This is actually the fifteenth episode that you will appear oh, on, but many yeah. of the ones you've done, I'm considering Facts of Life Goes to Paris is a two-parter, Facts of Life Down Under is a two-parter. I had the marriage um, one that was a two-parter. Teenage Marriage was a two-parter, yeah. exactly. Oh, 
and graduation was a two-parter. So you've done literally four entries in the Let's Face the Facts pantheon. Yeah. So the fact that you have not actually sat down 15 times to record a show, you've done it fewer than that. But I mean, we started these before the world turned crazy, you know? I mean, who'd have thunk? Yeah. Who'd have thunk? Well, we are thrilled to have you back for the 15th time. That is definitely a record. Nobody has been on that many episodes. I love it. By a Texas mile, as they say. (laughs) So the first time. Season 9, episode 16 from February 6th of 1988. (sighs) Let's get some nuts and bolts going here, huh? It was written by Ross Brown. This is his sixth out of seven episodes. We have discussed him in the past. Uh, He started last season. He is a producer for all episodes this season. I don't want to spend any more time on him. We've talked about him. And the episode was directed by... Asad Kalata. I mean, I don't know. Did somebody Steven come back? Spielberg. No. <laughs> Did somebody come back for this special? <laughs> Scorsese. Not John Boab. It is Marion Deaton. Remember Marion Deaton? We have discussed before. This is her third of three episodes. She is the associate director for 92 of the Facts of Life. So that's almost half of them. So uh, she's pretty much here the entire final four seasons of the whole series. Uh, she previously directed Fast Food, which I believe, Paul, you were our guest for. That's one of my favorites, yeah. Over at Sombreros Sam's or whatever it was called. Senor Sombreros. Senor Sombreros. <laughs> and she also directed Rites of Passage 2. That was that one that we thought was the final episode of the series. Like they didn't know if they were coming back. And Tootie went off to her theater thing and Joe went off for her new career in L.A. And then it was like, oh, we're coming back it definitely seemed like you know it could be the last one they were all crying and hugging each other and the sad music and she joe was crying and i'm like that's it they ain't coming back but yeah yeah and like we said they were all hugging and all (laughs) tootie and holding both hands it's like tootie's gonna be back in two months guys what is happening here but uh yeah so marion deaton we we figure it's just the days that john boab called out sick and she was there on hand as the associate director to kind of quickly step in and be the substitute for the day. I wonder if there was a little more uh, tactical intention here, because it's like, maybe we should have a, a woman director direct this episode about a woman uh, losing her virginity. I would love to think. <laughs> I know. <laughs> in the 80s in Hollywood. Yeah, they really. They're thinking, Let's let a woman do this. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> I know it's just one can dream can't one yeah it's a miracle they let a woman write the mod abortion episodes it's incredible that they didn't have their 60 year old vaudevillian writers try to tackle that but uh anyhow uh, I thought I would do some fast facts about this episode because even though it is folklore people who are super familiar with facts of life we've heard these facts a million times before but i thought it would bear repeating some of these as we are actually talking about this episode first fast fact i should and i wish if i did fast facts like they do on office ladies i would have had a better thing I guess we we call them facts fact because it's the facts of like this is a fact okay this is a fast fa- facts fact there is a disclaimer at the top of the episode. It is not there on the Daily Motion version, but it is there on the DVD version. Uh, black screen, white type, because of the subject matter, 
parents may wish to view tonight's episode of Facts of Life with their children. Okay, I already take issue. Yeah, me too. Go ahead. First, first of all, what nine-year-old is sitting at home on a Saturday night watching NBC, for God's sake? Mm-hmm. Okay, we were, but what other <laughs> nine? I, I was nine, but yeah, sure. That was I was I was nineteen, but anyway. And when has a, a, a warning like that? What what nine year old was watching and said, "Oh, I guess I should go get my parent." Fuck off, NBC. <laughs> uh, just who who has one of those ever helped? It's like putting um, putting um, racy lyrics warnings on on two live cruise CDs. The parental Ooh, advisory logo. That get out of my face with that. Ugh. Honestly, yeah. you know who yeah. whom that benefited, Matthew? Well, the I network. know who. It, ben- it, it covered their ass. It was them saying, hey, we know it was a little out of bounds there, but we put up a disclaimer so you can't complain that we didn't do something as far as make you aware that we were doing this. That's just that is a completely cover their ass move. That's that's my thoughts anyway, from having worked in corporate America. Next fast fact fact. No Lisa Welcho. <laughs> it means we don't get to see her fabulous outfits that Diane put on. And her hair. So damn good in this in this season, you know. Her hair last week. Uh mazing. Uh, but it was well known that Welchel, a practicing Christian, did not want to appear to condone sex before marriage. So when they approached her about it being Blair who loses her virginity. She said, no, I am out. Praise Jesus and keep me out of the episode. And in grand Lisa Welchel fashion, she still comes out of it smelling like a rose because in later interviews, she has been able to, um, I'm going to say pivot to, well, it was only a half hour sitcom and that was a really big subject matter. And I was concerned that they couldn't really do it justice with the time allowed, uh, you know, kind of a, I didn't trust the writers, didn't trust it would be handled uh, well and all that stuff. It's like, yeah, somehow she's come out of it not being condemned as a, a holy roller, Jesus warrior, and all that. And even the three of us, the three of us are like, I love Lisa Welchel. I want to meet her someday. <laughs> but she does have deeply held Christian beliefs and that has not changed in her life. And also, I don't think it would have been appropriate for Blair of all the girls. Agreed. I, I, that was a Bla- terrible idea. Yeah, I would have gone with Joe actually before, because she's the one who's in a serious relationship with this guy she's going to marry. And Blair at this point, who would she lose it to? Professor Pat. No, she would have she would have lost it to Casey. Yeah. And it's just it's weird because Blair already has such a very uh utilitarian attitude towards boys in terms of dating and being a suitable escort type of a thing. I mean, maybe they could have in the name of, well, Casey is clearly the one, but if they were already stewing if they were already brewing plans to maybe spin her off on another show where she wasn't going to be married or tied down it's just yeah truly for me this for nat it it worked perfectly for natalie to be the one i don't think 
any of the other girls, it would have been a better choice. I, I was happy with Natalie get, you know, doing it. I think she yeah. was too, but yeah. Was... Are you saying, Matthew, you would have preferred it to be Joe over Natalie? I didn't mean to negate what you said. No, if I, no, I'm not saying I would prefer it. I just wouldn't have gone to Blair first. I would have gone to Joe and then Natalie, you know, and even Tootie. She's an adult now and yeah. she's engaged. Yeah. So, but whatever. He already mm -hmm. tried once. Tootie tried yeah. once, you know, last yeah. season. Oh, she's yeah. Well, well, no, she tried a couple. Remember, because she had Rudy that she was trying to do it in the car with. But remember, she was ready to sleep with Jeff when she thought she was going to lose him. But this time she has lingerie that she bought for Rudy. So she'd be ready. Yeah, that's right. She never, she never got to use that. So. Girl, all about the lingerie. <laughs> According to, okay, next fact, fact. According to IMDb, this is the first time we see Tootie and Natalie's bedroom since the remodel. I was thinking it had appeared once before, but I truly can't remember. And at this point, I, I'm surprised to realize I don't care. Yeah. But it was season eight, episode four, that we did the renovations. So it's been over a year since they've had that inner bedroom. Yeah, I, I hit rewind so many times just trying to look at everything in that <laughs> What, does it happen one more time at all? Does it? Like, I don't even I feel like we see it twice. So maybe the second time is coming up. But again, I, this could be a Blair's Blue Blazer moment for me. <laughs> Remember that one? Remember that one, everybody? Yes, yes. How David can't trust his memory uh, ever. Um, so yeah, those are my fast fact facts. Uh, anything else you guys remember about the folklore of this episode before we actually get into the analyses? I just, when, you, when you're in their their new room and you're looking at the set, I mean, you have like this extended score version of the Facts of Life kind of synthesizer, 80s type of, you know, they, they somebody got to go a little crazy there, which was, you know. Yeah, we did have a, a, an enhanced orchestral score. Yeah, for it this. might be, yeah, it might be titled, you know, Natalie did it or, yeah, <laughs> it or whatever, but yeah. What's, what's the term you use, Matthew? We could call it Natalie gets her ticket punched. Yeah. <laughs> I do love that saying. All aboard. Yes. Well, Paul Padilla, guess what? It's what? time to put our guest on the spot. No, I didn't. No, I didn't even prepare for this. I knew you wouldn't. Oh, shit. Of all people, Paul Padilla. You had to know this was coming. I know, but I'm so busy. I've been so crazy busy. I mean, y'all, this is like- This is where those amazing improv skills- I don't have those. Play. I told you I don't have those. <laughs> yes, I, I know. I just wanted to say it out loud. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm so busy, I forgot because I've, I have, this is like my solace from the day of worrying about other things. And so it's like, just talk about facts of life for a couple hours with the guys. That'll be great. Oh, so, that's nice. You're yeah. still not off the hook. Yeah, you know, now is when we ask you to give a one to two sentence synopsis similar to what you might find in a TV guide. And if it goes too long, Matthew will judge you. Go! In this very special episode, Natalie, I can't say becomes a woman. It wouldn't be in TV guide that way. It's a very special episode. Natalie's relationships with snakes go to a different level snake, with snake with snake propels to a different level i don't know help me sure. help me you're good at these when you said snakes plural i thought you were saying possessive so her relationship with snakes snake i guess you could. i can't believe i forgot to prepare for this one i this is like if i'd be on the inside the actor's studio he'd ask me a question i'd give him the answer because yeah. i think about him for weeks you know but <laughs> i don't know he'd say where were you born and you'd be like oh 
fuck, I forgot to prepare for this. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) What would you say, Matthew? What would you say? No, I would have, I would have said that exactly. Um, (laughs) Maybe that propels to a different level. I couldn't think of the word, but you know, Mm. you know, I mean, it was, it was, it was like, and you know, just, I was on my phone with uh, Reese, my friend Reese, who listens to the show and uh, she's, uh, I just said, oh yeah, I have to go on. I'm going on with David and Matthew for a couple hours before I go to rehearsal, da, da, da. I said, but I get to do the Natalie Loses Virginity episode. She was like, oh, I remember that one. Because, like, you know, people that didn't even watch it, watched that one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She was in high school. She was in the you know, football team and stuff like She, not football, she was a cheerleader or whatever. I, they weren't watching it like I was watching it. You know what I mean? So they would watch maybe two episodes a year when they caught it. And then, those, and, and there are also those people that say, I love that show. I watch it all the time. Da-da-da. I'm like, no, you didn't. You watched it <laughs> yeah. A year. A liar. Yeah. Take exactly. several seats. Yeah. But they all watched this one. And so she was yeah. like, oh, I absolutely. But, you know, I love her. But, yeah, you know, I, yeah. She was like, oh, yeah, I remember that episode. So it's one that was popular because they, they didn't do kind of a marketing thing about it, I feel, a little bit. I mean, not like not only loses her virginity, but we all knew the episode was coming. I remember. Yeah. I knew yeah. it was coming. Hustler did a big article about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it was on, you know, it was it had to have been because it was sweeps weeks, wasn't it? Weren't they talking about that? Oh, I'm sure it's January. I'm sorry. It's February 4th. Yeah, I yeah. think February sweeps. February yeah. talked about it being sweeps week. Sweeps month. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. are we ready to get into it? We ready to go into I our thought, deep dive? I thought we were kids? done. <laughs> <laughs> Well, remember that I was complaining two weeks ago that that ridiculous Blair, as as you said, Matthew, legally Blair episode. Why did we have to have that B story of Natalie forgetting how to speak in public? Here's a perfect example. We're back to our original form where this is one story. That's it. There's no B plot. And they they use all of their airtime to address this one thing. And uh and I, I'm surprised I didn't find it more tedious than uh, than it is. <laughs> it's an underhanded compliment, I'm aware. But uh, also for well, we'll get into it as we go along here. We start the show in the living room. Beverly, Ann, Joe, and Tootie are all sitting around the room and reading, just like they were six weeks ago when they had a store. But now there is no store, so I cannot ask who is minding the store and how are any of them living or acquiring an in- income. Yeah. It's just they're sitting around reading like you do. Money's not a problem. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Tootie does say, does it seem quiet? And Joe says, uh, yeah, it does seem quiet because Blair's out of town. Oh, I hate that bitch. Remember whenever we need a joke? I, I hate Blair, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep, she did have a, a hit ah. that came out. Yeah. Yeah. We've been through that before, but whatever. It was the line needed. Not unlike the <laughs> walks in the door. Hi, Joe. How's your cold? And it's like, don't start with me. Just throw out one line, say, Blair's not here, moving on. Nothing else is said about it. Um, Beverly Ann's been letting her hair grow out. I was looking back at an older episode and realizing Cloris is doing kind of more of this. Uh, this bowl cut versus her spiky frosted tips. And uh, it's getting a little bit long. It's like, Cloris, you're, you're getting to the point. You need a trim in that girl. Well, speaking of hair, Joe's hair. Joe's yeah. hair. It's going crazy. Like that's not even, 
out of control. I've seen and, like, you know, like rock band, 80s rock band guys and their hair had more control than that. That was like crazy all over the place. I, I, yeah, I don't understand that. And it's not even full tilt boogie yet. The day <laughs> she gets married, it is redonkulous. It's it looks yeah. like a wedding from the Godfather. Like she yeah. looks like <laughs> like that is a lady from the Bronx getting married with that yes. hair. Oh, yes, this is clip. your day. This is your day. <laughs> well, and I mean, you know, then she stands up next to anybody and she looks like a giant. I mean, she looks huge, you know, because her hair is so tall. You know, it's just yeah. It's weird. It's, yeah. Mm -mm. And we need to find out. We think we might have even she might have even worn heels under that wedding dress. So that made her taller. Uh, but we'll be talking to Diana about that when we get to it. But um, but the one thing about Joe, when I said this uh, the last couple of weeks, she's wearing more of these knit skirt suits. Mm -hmm. They have shoulder pads. They're very boxy. They're not particularly flattering, but definitely she is past the tomboy phase. She does but, not look like she's doing her tight 10 at the laugh hole. You can still wear that with socks and tennis shoes. Yes, yeah. you can. High top Reeboks. High tops. Yeah. High top Reeboks that Diana talked about. Yes. So Natalie comes down and she's all dressed up and they're all, ooh, wow, look at, holy shit. And I'm like, is that dressed up? She's wearing a skirt suit, black with a white top, a white you're blouse. Asking, you're asking the wrong person here because and right now, the, I'm wearing sweatpants that are new and I'm, I'm dressed up right now. <laughs> and the biggest, boxiest jacket I have ever seen on anyone ever. It looked like a gag. <laughs> it does. It looks like a, what a David Byrne video is that? Yes. <laughs> but the one thing in the close ups, part of it is the transfer. The DVD transfer is not really that great and it's not really terrific quality. And of course, the daily motion shows are just appallingly bad. But when you do see her in the close-ups on the DVD version, you're like, oh, okay, there are sequins and sparklies on the jacket and on the white blouse underneath. So we have a black and white classic with some sparkle. So I get what they're going for, but it, um, it didn't have the impact that they were implying it was actually having. And in 88, it was the look that was the look, that square course, yeah. boxy. So I'm, I, I'm mad at it from 2022. I'm not mad at it from 1988. No, 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 not at all. Now, we do have some uh, good show Bible moments coming up here. Uh, number one, there for some reason, Beverly Ann tells a story that involves Frank, her ex-husband. And in the story, she does say, he turned to me and he said, bougie, would you dot, 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 whatever. She refers to the fact that he called her Bougie was his nickname. That is true. Dick Van Patten called her that when we met Frank. So uh, very good. That is a, a check mark in the good column for Mr. Ross Brown, writer of our show. Another show Bible good moment. Natalie is dressed up because it is her and Snake's one year since they fell in love anniversary. They don't say explicitly it's a year since they've started dating. She says specifically it's the night that we knew we loved each other. And I had said before that I thought they were together about a year and a half. Well, 
She first mentions having a crush on the guy who lays the tar back in season eight, episode three. And that was the episode called Ready or Not. And then Natalie's first mention of Dating Snake was season eight, episode seven, The Ratings Game. So that was November of 86. So here we are in February of 88. It is about a year and a half or so. And uh, I'm, I am not mad at this. The fact that she doesn't say this is our one year anniversary. So I'm, I'm very happy that they softened that a little bit to account for the sort of uh, amorphous date that they started seeing each other. Thank you, Beverly Ann. That amorphous <laughs> date. Jesus Christ, David. I was like waiting for you to get to the bottom of that hole you just dug yourself yeah, in verbally. Wow. I don't know. Paul, Matthew gives me shit. Do you think that I give vent to my loquacity by extraneous bombastic circumlocution? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> That's all you got to say, make a sandwich. Paul. I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. I mean, I have made a sandwich sometimes, and I'm just kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> that was a Samantha from Bewitched. Well... <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, I, I love listening to you, so go for it. You know? Oh, at least you do. I do. Uh-huh. Try so... it every week. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of hair, we've been talking about other people's hair. Tootie, her hair's been growing out. She is not wearing a hat, so we can finally see it. But yeah. she's got soft hair coming around, surrounding, framing the face. But she has this extra long length of straight, hair in the back where Tootie's rocking a bit of a mullet these days. It's like, wow. Okay. I, I did not expect that. And, uh, all right. I mean, it's the, it's the time of the mullets. If you're going to have one 88, it's the year to have it. I mean, so not to skip ahead too much, but I mean, Andy finally has that mullet that, you know, everybody else, everybody, all the girls had the mullets when he was supposed to have the mullet, but then, you know, cause Blair's gone through her mullet. Joe's gone through her mullet. Like, I, this is Andy's was pretty intense this time, but yeah. Yeah. At the beginning mind. of the season, he like came back from summer break with a yeah. different hairdo. Yeah. Did you hear about this new trend called the scullet? No. It's where they buzz their hair as short as yours, Paul, uh -huh, but no. leave all length in the back. So it's, it's like mullet on overdrive, extra long in the back and buzz short on the top and sides. Yeah. That's weird. You know, you know what they look like? They look like fucking riffraff from Rocky Horror. <laughs> it's true. true. Very it's true. true. Yeah. And, and, that, and um, that's not a great look, you know? Nobody wants to fuck riffraff. No. All right. <laughs> I might have had a little crush on a guy once that had something like that. He was already balding, but he had the long hair. But I mean, you know, whatever. It was, hey. it was like 1992. So I can't, I can't, you know, I claim. No, 92, that was still acceptable. Yes. Yeah. Was it? Was it? <laughs> you know, you know, you I was were in Texas. Texas I was feeling things, Matthew. I was feeling things. But yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Well, Snake shows up for their date and he is dressed in, help me, what is that called? A filling station onesie? It is a coverall. Coverall. There yeah. we go. And it is covering all of his clothes. But the implication is that he's still dressed for, I guess, his truck driver job or whatever. Like, it's, it doesn't occur to any of them that he's got something hidden underneath there, that there's a surprise coming. 
Really? Because I knew the second he walked in. Of course we knew, but not in this room. No. Anyway, it's it's really not worth talking about where Natalie's clearly disappointed. Tootie tries to kind of stir the pot a little like, yeah, well, isn't it cool that it was a year ago that you fell in love? And now tonight you're celebrating that. Like, dude, you didn't dress up enough. Well, the coverall comes off and he's wearing a suit and a tie and he looks lovely. Still does not look like the guy that we thought Snake was going to be before we actually met him. But which I will tell you. As a kid, no, I really don't give a shit. But as a kid, I was a little disappointed with Snake, the actors who they chose for Snake and Casey. I was a little disappointed. I'm disappointed now. I mean, and I was just like, you, that's who you found? I mean, whatever. I mean, you know. Well, there's I, that. Nobody's good enough for our girls. Right. I mean, it's, I mean, Jeff, I was always good with. I always liked Jeff. But for some reason. I like Casey. You don't like Casey? I liked Casey. But like his hair drove me nuts. I mean, I, I, even as a kid, like I was like, how can we know that hair is uh, uh, bring it on? I mean, uh, Matthew's like more to grab on to. Oh, God, so I like yes. the hair bothered me. I didn't notice the bulge until you guys brought it up. And now I can't stop looking at it. But um, but yeah, you're welcome. But, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the hair, I was like, come on. Um, oh. But I mean, I like Paul Provenza. I just I didn't know who he was back then. But um, yeah, no. So. And then Snake, you know, he was the guy in Fast Times, Richmond High. Who's, what's the actor's name? Do you know? Robert Romanus returns yeah. as Snake. So he was a snake in Fast Times as well. Yeah. So, and and yeah, like, he wasn't likable. He wasn't. You know, so he walks dude. in and I'm like, not for Natalie. You know, he got the no. other girl pregnant. He got Jennifer Jason Lee pregnant. Now he's going to get Natalie pregnant. Yeah. I don't like this guy. Yeah. So I was, mm. I, I had feelings about it. My biggest problem is I've never seen Fast Times at, at Ridgemont High. Um, my biggest problem with him is that he's 32 and he looks every day of it. <laughs> yes. How terrible were the other actors that auditioned? <laughs> you know, Matthew, I never checked his age. He's 32 here. Yes. Oh my God. I didn't know that. He looks, so, he said, like the, like the road and the truck and sleeping in the truck and eating at pit stops i mean he's, it shows. he's had a rough life apparently yeah. working the road crew laying the tar wow <laughs> so they go off on their date and later the next scene is still the living room but it's clearly late at night the lights are out and it's them coming home and there's definitely some super sweet sweet hugging and it's it's actually a lovely little scene i really do like it we don't know quite what's happened yet but it's this whole, it was a special night, even cut from syndication. They they cut some of the lines yeah. of, I don't want to let you go. And Natalie saying, I don't want this night to end. And him saying, yeah, it was pretty special. And just them holding and it's like, okay, well, I'm going to leave now. Okay. Well, I'm going to let go. Will you let go? Okay. It's, it's. <sighs> I got, I got a little warm feeling in my heart watching it. I miss that feeling. Do you yeah. remember that feeling of not wanting someone to leave mm. and not, and as soon as they do, you're like, I cannot wait to see them again. Mm. I miss that feeling so much. It's been so long since I've had that feeling. I don't even remember what it is at this point. Mm. Sorry, this got dark. Yeah, I feel that way about the street taco basket at the restaurant down the street from me now where, you know, I go a little too much, but yeah. But yeah, it's <laughs> 
no, I, I get it. This, this did have a very new love, new things going on. And this truly, because we talked about Robert Romanus being a smaller actor, not playing to the third rafter of the fourth balcony in the theater next door, a scene this sweet and intimate between the two of them. This was where it was like, oh, okay. Maybe, maybe I don't hate Snake that much. I still did. I mean, now as an adult, I say, <laughs> I can see that's a very sweet scene. And yes, you know, it's very lovely. Yeah. Natalie has her, you know, dimples, big smile on the whole time. But yeah, mm -hmm. I, I was still not happy with, with the choice. But yeah. Yeah. No, but this, this did, this helped, certainly. This helped the case for Snake. You know, I, I have had that feeling recently. The McRib came back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you, Matthew. I am uh, right there with you. I am right there with we're you. We're in Natalie and Tootie's bedroom. And like I said, the first time we see the bedroom. And it's like, whoa, what is this? This is so weird. Changed and my life. Yeah, I, I, I rewound. I watched. I wanted to figure out what was on the walls. What was, what on, was the on the walls? What, what interesting did you find? Because I'll admit, I didn't really go exploring too heavily here. It's, it's not that interesting, you know, but they have, you know, pictures of, of on the on the mantles and stuff, you know, where I think you can see them together and stuff. I mean, it's not, I just knew I wanted that room because it was new and it was cool and yeah. there's levels and, you know, there's, you know. Well, if you take out a bank loan with your four other friends, you can afford to have one of those built. Remember that? You just have to sell your bike that you That's love. right. You got to sell your bike so that your friends can build a bedroom inside your bedroom and then yeah. Blair will give you this, the bed next to the window. And that means I got my privacy now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Natalie tells Tootie what happened. Now this is where it's like, we slept together tonight. And Tootie is initially shocked, but super happy. And this scene was nice because Tootie's, you know, the way Tootie played it was like, I'm so happy for you. Oh my God, that's great. Like, you know, it's, there was nobody in this episode that was like, what? You did what? You dirty skank ho. There was, there was no slut shaming here, thank goodness. And uh, so that scene is nice. Not really much happens. It's, you know, Tootie being the, the busy body wanting to know everything. So she says, I have a lot of questions, but I know it's private. I won't ask them. Good night. Light turns out. And then she turns the light back on and says, okay, no, no, I got to know everything. And then they start sitting up and talking. And then we go on to the next scene. She to... says, I have a million questions. Okay. And, and I thought, I do too. <laughs> do you? Tootie, thank you. <laughs> and I apologize if this is vulgar. Does anyone just jump right into full on poking? Oh dear. Because, and, and this is coming from a gay man where a blowjob is a friendship thing. Because <laughs> um, there's something, dear listeners, called the gay handshake. And we all know what that is. Mm. Um, but I just like, has, has nothing? Like, I don't know how straight people do. You know what I mean? I know in the gay culture, like you sleep together on the first date. So you see if it's worth a second date. You know what I mean? True. So, so I, I, I'm not at all like. I went to Catholic school, so I wait till the second date, but. but <laughs> you were brought up right. I brought up right. 
but I mean, wouldn't there be like handy J's and and blowies and you're right. You know, maybe before this, like we've dealt with this on the show before, where any talk of sex is automatically vaginal penetration. Oh, <laughs> where there is no ever talk of other stuff. We we <laughs> joked about. Girl, you don't have to sleep. It's you, you, Matthew, were like, do hand stuff, do things, do oral, do there's so many other ways. And it's such and, a straight thing where people say, Well, did you they'll say to a gay person, Did you have sex? And it's like, I know because you're a straight person, you're asking, Did we have intercourse? Because that's what straight people equate sex to be, including the writers and people here. I would imagine. It's it's so easy to say I slept with him. How would you put into a sitcom? I I blew him. Yeah. <laughs> or, or he or or he finger blasted me. You know what I mean? <laughs> how would you how would you word that? Like he used his fingers on me. I, yeah. uh, uh, that, uh. We did sex stuff. <laughs> that just grossed me out. <laughs> Pathogen, pathogen. (laughs) (laughs) Sexually transmitted pathogens got to account for that. But they did use contraception because who hasn't used the word contraceptives in their everyday conversation? Well, we used contraceptives. Yeah. (laughs) But but you're right, Matthew, the questions and it's, you know, to me, they, it's they I would have lived if if one if like Pippa had said. You used what? And all the girls went, condoms, Pippa. Condoms, condoms, condoms. And the thing, and to be honest, later they talk about, you know, did you use contraceptives? And she says three different kinds. And as a kid, I would always try to figure out, I'm like, condom, sponge. Like, I was trying to figure out as a kid when three different kinds, does she mean like three specific different kinds or like three condoms? On they put three condoms on his dick, yeah. That, that's what they did. Did you just say well, it was, the, it was the 80s. They oh, used sponges. Come on. They used sponges uh, back then. They did. Was snake sponge worthy? That's the question. Dia- yeah, diaphragm sponges. They re- Remember, sponges were a thing. Sponges were a thing, yo. Yeah, so was the rhythm method during the Depression. Oh, the sponge, which those are off the market. Those yeah, are, those are very. Did somebody went, you know, leaving an item up inside a woman that just absorbs the spooge and just sits there like yeah gee that might not be safe for a woman to just have that sitting inside her body <laughs> yeah but yeah. i would think that we would have done something like uh condoms spermicidal jelly spermicidal lubricant and um diaphragm, diaphragm or something a or diaphragm? maybe Natalie, maybe Natalie could have said, "I'm on the pill." Maybe, Mm-mm-mm-mm. maybe that would be a two-parter. Paul would right. be back. Two-parter. There's your two-parter right there. So then the next scene, we move on to breakfast in the kitchen. Oh no, <laughs> we what? What are they eating for breakfast? First thing we have to look at. We oh, do not God. have any fiber on cereal. We do yep. not have any funny nut Cheerios. <laughs> what are they eating, Matthew? Do you know, Paul? Uh, if I feel, I know Joe has grape nuts or something. Oh no! Oh, oh, contraire, <laughs> my dear friend. What is it? She has her daily dose of ape nuts. <laughs> oh, is that what's up? 
They literally plot out the GR. It says ape nuts. Oh and, my god! And on the DVD, it's clear enough to where they show a kind of not close up, but it looks like they use white out. It looks like they use white out. Like you can see where it's splotched out. Yeah. Now, ape nuts is funny on its own. Yes. It is. But, Considering but, Natalie just had snake nuts in her mouth the night before. <laughs> and you have to, I have to think that some prop man was like, this is getting on NBC. Ape, <laughs> ape nuts. Yeah. Anybody? Waka waka. Ape that nuts. Or he had a talking to. He had someone called him in his office and said, okay, this, uh, I'm calling them funny nut Cheerios. But that cover where it just looked like someone took a magic marker and scratched it out, he probably got a reprimand. He probably got a written verbal warning in his record because he didn't blot out that Star Trek logo. Mm -hmm. And the Star Trek logo unexpectedly appearing there when they went to such painstaking ends to blot out the Honey Nut Cheerios logo. So he probably went like, yeah, yeah, you want a cereal with a name? Okay, I'll do a damn box with words you can read and no Star Trek logo. I love that you think any director was paying that much attention <laughs> to that 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 detail of this show. Yeah, we're lucky was it wasn't Rape Nuts. I mean, let's get real. <laughs> I, I think... I think I'm closer to the truth on this one, David, that that Mike was a pervert. He was the prop guy and he thought it'd be hilarious to make it say eight nuts. Um, probably. <laughs> but yeah, he probably, probably he probably did cover that G and said, oh, shit, it says rape nuts, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the first day at NASA when they look, you look through the telescope and somebody says, I can see Uranus. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Well, we have the trope of Natalie saying, well, something big has happened. Last night, Snake and I, and she keeps getting interrupted. Now, cut from syndication is Pippa passing through the kitchen. And Pippa mentions a boy later that we've never heard of. This is where she first mentions, she says, I'm meeting this boy, Roger, at the donut shop. Roger at the donut shop. So did he and Nancy breakup did he not marry nancy even though she was pregnant with his child after the little chill he's he's into pippa now he's he's into the he likes him young that's for sure either that or i'm really loath to think that the writer's room was devoid of creativity that they couldn't think of another name for a boy you know what i bet roger's last name was parker <laughs> betcha <laughs> betcha betcha there's a lot of parkers in peak skill in the full queue yeah mm -hmm. so the second attempt she starts to tell them beverly ann and andy come from upstairs finally when it does come about and she says snake and i slept together we do have the bit where joe <laughs> is distracted enough that she's pouring the ape nuts outside the bowl <laughs> the entire box ends up in a little pile next to next to the the bowl there, it was kind of funny. Now our table's covered in ape nuts. <laughs> I know we had our show Bible good moments. We have a show Bible bad moment. 
when Beverly Ann hears about it and they're like, you know, what's the deal? And Beverly Ann says, well, it was different in my day. We waited till marriage. And Tootie here says, Jeff and I are waiting until we're married, by the way. So there's any question about, well, isn't Tootie engaged? She says explicitly, they're waiting. But Beverly Ann says, Natalie, I know you're not a little girl. You're 21 years old and you can make your own decisions. Here we go. Natalie is not 21 years old. Natalie is 20 years old. Because remember, we lost a year of age in Natalie back in season four. She should be 21. Absolutely. Because remember, she was 13 back in season one when she was going to find her adoptive parents, her her biological parents. But uh, no, we're off by a year. Somehow Natalie has gained a year in age. Off and running. And while we're at it, we never explicitly ever said how old Pippa is until later when she and Beverly Ann are talking. And that is where they say Pippa is 15. So now we know for sure Andy is 14, Pippa is 15. And when it becomes apparent that Beverly Ann is going to be having the sex talk with Pippa, Andy walking over to her and saying, oh, you're getting the sex talk. And he says, well, if you have any questions after you're done, come and talk to me as he puts his arm around her. And it's like, oh, there's horny Andy. And then there's creepy Andy. (laughs) That was a little creepy, Andy. We do start a thing with Joe being wishy-washy, saying, you don't need my help. You're doing fine. It's a complicated issue. There are a lot of pros and cons. If you're happy, I'm happy. This is going to come back in the second act. I just want to make sure to drop that here. And then the phone rings and Natalie answers it and it's snake and he's canceling their plans for that night and then tells her that he needs a little bit of time to work some stuff out so he won't be in touch with her for a while and it ends with her saying okay well i guess i'll hear from you when i hear from you and it's like okay and we go to commercial with this kind of question mark like is is he gonna dump her now that he's had his way with her Lots of emotions in this episode. You're set up to all of a sudden hate Snake. Like, uh, yeah, I was like, oh, no, no, you did not just do that to our Nat. But I think that that scene, that intimate sweet scene earlier does help us to kind of be on the same page as Natalie, where we're like, wait, everything looked so good that this is what the fuck is this? It's not a, well, clearly this is what's happening, Natalie. Wake up and smell the coffee. Uh, you know um that's the optimist and the pessimist talking mm-hmm. we both saw that you saw it as oh well you just need a couple of days i saw it as this relationship is over oh wow okay that's what we're do i'm the glass half full and you're the glass half empty so with that that's how we go to commercial with that dum 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 when we come back from commercial we're in the living room Natalie is officially worried. Snake is never going to call her again. And she says, I should never have slept with him just as Pippa comes into the room. And Pippa is like, what? And that is what propels Beverly Ann to bring Pippa into the kitchen and have a little talk with her about the birds and the bees. And uh, so, uh, Matthew, am I correct that we may or may not have a punchable Pippa moment coming up? Oh, yeah, we have one. Yeah, you want to talk about it? 
Well, it just, I thought of all times, what a great time to put an Australianism into the script. Yep. Never not funny. Uh, well, it's never funny, but <laughs> of all of all the times, I mean, why wouldn't she, I would have given her like, oh, you mean she and Snake boxed the wallaby? You know what I mean? I, or something. I don't know. <laughs> Box the wallaby. If that isn't a euphemism, we have to make it one. But, um, yeah, when talking to Beverly Ann about it, Pippa does say she has friends who have already had sex. At which point she Beverly Ann's like, are you among the friends of people that you have had sex? And she says, oh, no, I've done it. And she says, my mates back home reckon I'm a bit daggy. You know, weird. But I can't help it. I want my first time to be my true love. And then Beverly Ann responds to her and Cloris Leachman is perfection where she says, well, I don't think that's daggy. And if any of your mates reckon that, well, they can come and have a chin wag with me. But had to get the Australianisms in, God forbid, even a very special episode like this be devoid of that Michigas. I think the only Australian words or slang that I know are from Pippa. So. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. Yeah. In my life, you know, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So then it ends with Pippa saying uh, in a perfect Chloris Leachman as a comedic timing genius where Pippa says, well, if I discover that Roger is my true love, should we do it? And Chloris Leachman says, let me put it this way. No. (laughs) Perfect. I mean, all the layers, all the different whatevers, but just landing on no. So, um, yeah. So there's a little extra bit at the end of the scene that's cut from syndication. And then we have a little short one minute scene up in Tootie and Natalie's bedroom that is also missing from the syndicated version. Uh, And it's notable because Tootie has a side ponytail. And we've never seen Tootie with a side ponytail. And I think we're okay if we never see side ponytail ever again. Never see it again. Just saying. Yeah. But it's back for the same Natalie. She doesn't understand. Why hasn't he called her? Did I do it wrong? (laughs) That's even a joke there. Did I do it wrong? (laughs) But it's her and Tootie saying, you know, well, Tootie saying, I support you. I want, I hope this is better. And Natalie saying, thank you, Tootie, for being a good friend. So it's a really nice friendship moment. So in the next scene, we're in the living room and it's like, well, we just had the moment with Natalie and Tootie. Uh, Now this is a moment with Natalie and Joe. And Natalie is still reeling and she's asking Joe and Joe is still doing the wishy-washy thing. I think she says something like, well, it's not important what I think, it's up to you. And Natalie lashes out at her and she calls her like an emotional coward or something like that. And so she's like, you know, what the fuck, girl? I'm asking you for your opinion. You're just giving me these, these stupid things that don't mean anything. And then Joe comes back at her and we get the Bronx now. And Nancy McKeon crushes it. And she says, all right, you want to know what I think? And Natalie's like, yeah. And she says, all right, I'll tell you what I think. I think if Snake hadn't left you, you'd feel fine. And she says, well, of course I would. Well, then stop blaming yourself for sleeping with him. That's not what's bothering you. Sex does weird things to people sometimes. And it made you forget that you were a good person before he ever came into your life. And you're still going to be okay 
whether he's around or not. And better words have not been said in this episode. That's the big thing. It's like, whether or not Snake calls you reflects on him, not on you. And as a modern woman of the 80s, if you want to sleep with a dude and experience sex and enjoy it, you can do that. That's allowed. Even though so much societally and what we see on TV and all that still tells you otherwise. But did you guys like that exchange as much as I did? Yeah, I think it made sense then. It makes sense now, you know, just, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, fine. Yep. So then Natalie feels better. She thanks Joe, hugs her, and she says, you know what? You're right. If it doesn't work out, I'll be okay. And I don't regret what I did. So this is kind of another little uh, aha moment for Natalie, at which point, perfectly on cue, ding dong, it's Snake at the door. 1130 at night. I'm asleep at 1130 at night. It's 1130 at night. I've been I've been asleep for 15 hours at that point. Old people. Old people. <laughs> what time do you go to bed, Matthew? Ugh, I'm lucky if I'm in bed by 4 a.m. You know, I've oh. got parties. I've got things to do, David. Mm-hmm. Social events that don't start until 11. Wow. I'm kidding. But he says he wanted to talk to her and he wanted to talk to her face to face. So Natalie thinks that he's going to break up with her. And so she says to him, stop beating around the bush and just say what you got to say. And he says, okay, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And she's like, well, well, wait, what? And then he starts talking about needing to change jobs because it doesn't make sense if he's going to be out driving a truck. So this way he can be in one place so they could build a life together. Maybe if they get married, et cetera. And I'm like, okay, show Bible. He used to lay the tar. This truck driver thing literally happened in one episode. Snake was not a truck driver until he was. He was always local. That's how they met. But anyhow, interestingly, Natalie's the one that says, whoa, whoa, slow your roll, dude. And she says she's not ready for that kind of commitment now. And Matthew is applauding. Slow clap. Yes. Girl power. I loved this twist. I loved the way this was written. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I yep. stopped taking notes because I wanted Natalie to be throwing an Emmy at her for that. That was some of the best acting I've seen on this show. And I and she's on the show with an Oscar winner right now. So So Snake does say, well, what was the other night about? As in, well, if basically if us sleeping together wasn't us getting more serious. And she says the other night was about us being in love and it was wonderful. And now we just need to take it one step at a time. You go, girl, you set the rules. You got the power here. And and I'm sorry, it is weird. I need to take a few days away from you to process that I want to be with you for the rest of my life. I, I'm not sure if I can sign off on that. I think there's a lot of bullshit about that. But with knowing that, Snake says, I guess I won't have to change my name. Cut from syndication, one little line that was kind of important. She says, you told me Snake was your real name. Why wouldn't you tell me your real name? So earlier when they had said, what is his name? And Natalie was like, Snake. That's because legitimately, she thought that was his real name. 
And then he now confesses his actual name. What is it, Paul? Norbert. Norbert Jr. Woo. So our final moment, he says to her, you really are something special. And she says, and don't you forget it, Norbert. <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking, I mean, I guess you could go with Bert, but I'm like, what's even like, a, what can you do with Norbert? Norm? I mean, Nor, just Bert. I thought, like to make it, I mean, if, what do you it's do? It's like, with what's your middle name, dude? What is it? It's got to yeah. be better. But Norbert. Uh, Norb. I think Bert would probably be the best, but yeah. Bert. I just wouldn't call somebody <laughs> if their name was Norbert. Yeah. Call, call him Junior or JJ or NJ. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this ends on a really kind of positive message where she has spent the episode processing and fretting and worrying over what he thinks about her in light of having sex, kind of the the sort of trope of losing respect for someone. Oh, she's a wonderful girl, but then I fucked her right away, so I have no respect for her now. <laughs> Fuck that patriarchal bullshit. But um, yeah, so she spends it processing, and thankfully the conversation with Joe is where she has that turning point where she's like, yeah, wait a minute, what, how do, why am I letting him and all this stupid shit that he's doing dictate how I feel about myself and what I did. I liked what I did. I had a good time. And then to take it to the next step where he starts making plans for them as a couple. And she says, no, it's really, really kind of awesome and amazing. Yeah. I think they covered a lot in the 20 plus minutes that they were given to do the contraception. The, these are the consequences. This is the, you know, and this is how, how you can feel afterwards. And then mm -hmm. you know, I think they did a lot, you know, I think they, they did a good job. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is we went through this when we talked about the mod abortion episode. There was nobody there to be the naysayer. Nobody among this group said, "What you did what? You shouldn't have done that. That almost would have been Blair's angle. Blair would have been the one saying, mm -mm, I don't know. That's how <clears throat> a guy loses respect for a girl. That's why a guy might not call you in the morning. Yeah. I could imagine That's that. Holding out is how you get diamonds. <laughs> Absolutely. But giving in gets you emeralds. Atta girl. Nice. So anything else, guys? We're at the end of the episode. What other, what other? Um... No, I do. I mean, I just, this was like one of the highest rated episodes, right? Of the, of the series, I think. Or I mean, for some I think reason, so. Well, I certainly think... of the season. Yeah. Right. And, and like I said, no discussion of the series as a whole doesn't bring up that they decided to do this. And wow, in hindsight, it really is smart because this is what gives the later seasons their their punch and their longevity. Yeah. And on her, in addition know, her to, yeah. and in her interviews, you know, Mindy says she walked in and said, "I'll do it. Like, give it to me. I'll take it." You know. <laughs> and that was just the night she spent with Snake. Giggity. <laughs> yeah exactly yes if i were mindy cohen i would have submitted this episode for an emmy mm -hmm. for best supporting actress and i would 100 not watch a backdoor pilot where natalie loses her virginity every single week every single week <laughs> i yeah. would not watch it yeah the name of the show would be rehymenated
Oh my God. No, <laughs> no. I, what else, what would you call it? Oh, uh, let's put that on the list with pathogen and puberty. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and she hasn't decided to go to New York yet, right? Is she still? That's coming up. Okay. My brain doesn't, it's starting to, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. The big apple blues. And, and we never talk about that relationship anymore. Like it just stops or. I, mean, I don't know about her and Snake if he's mentioned. We'll certainly have to track that. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. so uh, we will definitely follow that. Well, anyhow, Paul, we are so happy to have you back for season nine. You are a busy guy now that you are a theater producer, director, performer, impresario, getting your wonderful En Vivo theatricals off the ground and things are going well. Things are going great, you know. Uh, Tuna Christmas opens in a couple of weeks. It's crazy, you know. Um, luckily, and are I'm, you in it or are you directing? I'm not, I'm in it uh, and I'm producing it. I mean, as far as you know, making sure everything's on point. It's been great. It's been a lot. The, the shows are sold out already. The 600 seat house, which is great. Oh my God, that's awesome! Yeah, the 600 seat house, the Brontex, the historic Brontex Theater, and. Uh, and so wow. people are excited. The town is, if New Braunfels is, is ready for some tuna. So I am excited to definitely, uh, yeah, just veg after this for a while. But it's going well. Thank you for asking. Good. I'm glad. Well, we stopped talking about Facts of Life and me, so I've lost interest. <laughs> well, uh, Paul, as an MVP guest, we are so happy you were able to come back for season nine. It, it really was quite fitting that we have you back for this landmark episode. And uh, we're thrilled. So best of luck as you continue with uh, your, your theater company. And until next time, smooches and goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks to you both. It was the highlight of my week. Mwah. Oh, you need to have a better week. I know. <laughs> <laughs> And there you have it. That was Paul Padilla, MVP guest. Always love it when he's here. And as I've said, he's, uh, I think, a bigger Facts of Life fan than even Matthew and myself. It's pretty crazy. So one point I made, I do have to uh, retract. I do have to rescind and, and recant. Because uh, what I said about the contraceptive sponge is not true. The sponge is still available and still on the market. It had been removed, nothing to do with its effectiveness or any medical issues with the people who used it. It was that the company who made them did not want to manufacture them up to the standards of the Food and Drug Administration. So (laughs) they were pulled from the marketplace And then they were later reintroduced, uh, I think it was around 2009, and they're still available today. You can find one at your corner drugstore. It is the Today Sponge. So there you go. The more you know. Whoosh, star. So next week and the week after, got to take a little bit of a break. I'm sorry. It's the holidays. And I know you folks live for the content. I know you cannot survive your boring, pathetic, humdrum lives without this podcast in it. So I'm going to do my old faithful. I'm going to release episodes of TV Talkaholics. 
Next week, I'm going to be dropping TV Talkaholics episode 12, which is a Facts of Life crossover episode with Different Strokes. It was Different Strokes season 3, episode 15, called The Older Man and Blair and Natalie make a brief appearance in that episode. So that's next week, and then the week after, just in time for Christmas, episode 13 of TV Talkaholics, where we discuss It Happened One Christmas, which is the 1977 TV movie update of It's a Wonderful Life, starring Marlo Thomas and our own beloved Cloris Leachman as the angel. You may remember we discussed this briefly with Ken Reed when he was on the show last time. Well, that will be dropping on Christmas week. I'm very happy to have coordinated it that way. Unlike Halloween, where I dropped The Worst Witch two weeks too bloody late. In fact, I'm very thrilled for you to hear these episodes. They're really fun. And again, giving you a taste of what we've got going on over on the Patreon. And both of these are available to watch on Prime Video. And I think the Christmas one is also on YouTube. But anyway, that's two weeks down the road. Let's deal with different strokes. I will post a link in the show notes and on this episode's webpage. Until next time, that is all. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show, and remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by the wonderful David Almeida. Our theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Please visit facethefactspod.com for supplemental photos and videos, links to social media, and ways that you can support the show. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. This is Matthew Arder saying tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts.